Good morning, everybody. Before we move on, I got, I got this uh, word picture while we were praying and worshiping and uh, after Christine's exhortation to us. I had a word picture of hands like this uh, tied up in, in chains. And someone is trying to do this, trying to pick at that chain like with their teeth. How many know that's pretty impossible? It's pretty impossible to, to bite through chains uh, with your teeth. But they're so desperate to be free that, that this is what they're doing. And what that represented in this picture that I got was, if I just do one more Bible study, if I just go to one more prayer meeting, if I attend one more service, I'll be free. God says, all those things are good, but that's not going to set you free. Only I can set you free. So here's the thing that I, I think that God is saying. And you can judge this and you can pray about this. And, you, and, 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 and when, I'm, when I'm speaking, just pray that the Holy Spirit discerns this for you. Christine was talking about releasing giftedness in us. The gift has already been released in you. Okay? If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, as your Lord and King and Messiah, there is giftedness in you because the Holy Spirit resides in you. But there have been things in your past that you have allowed change to be wrapped around you. No one has done this. You have allowed this. I know this might be hard, but listen. I have done this. I have allowed other people's words and other people's actions in my past to put chains on me that I tried to release by picking at them with my teeth. By trying to, if I just do one more Bible study, if I just go to one more church service, if I just go to another religious experience, I will be set free. If I get one more person to pray for me, I will be set free. And again, those things are good. I'm not saying don't do those. But God is saying, will you just give it up to me? Will you stop trying to set yourself free? And let me do it. Your past does not negate your gift. It just doesn't. Your past does not make your gift not valuable or powerful or effective. But you have allowed the change to be placed on you. And you can have the choice to let them drop off you. Because here's the thing. Jesus is saying that those chains are not even locked. All you got to do is open up your hands and they'll fall off. Does that make sense to anyone this morning? Maybe to all of us. Do not let the past dictate where you are or where you're going. Do not. If you're a set free son of daughter here this morning, if you have decided to follow Jesus with everything that you are and perfect as you are, there is no reason for change to be on you in any place. 
This word promises that. If the Son sets you free, you are what? And if we are free indeed, what does that mean? We are free indeed. indeed. Exactly. Do we have any of this around us? Do we have any change around our feet? Are we carrying anything that we're not supposed to? Sometimes we do. So if I can encourage you before I do that other thing. Just open up your hands. Surrender. Those chains are not locked around you. And you've been picking at it with your teeth for just far too long. Don't. You're going to hurt your teeth. And you're wasting your time. You're already free. You've got to walk. You've got to walk. You've got to walk like you're free. You've got to talk like you're free. You've got to use your hands like they've been free because they have been. Don't let the past anymore dictate where you are or where you're going. It's been done with by the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Okay. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you're with us, that you speak to us, that you love us, that you surround us with yourself, that you are committed to finishing us off, to make us look more like Jesus that you, you are so committed to us that we have more power, more strength, more grace, more mercy, more kindness, more faithfulness than we can imagine from you. Help us to receive it all this morning. So come and speak to us. Open up our spirits, our, our mind, our heart, everything that it makes us us so we can receive you. We need it this morning. We need you, Father, to speak to us. We can go no place without you. We don't want to go any place without you. Like Moses said, if you're sending me here, please, I'm not going unless you're going. We don't want to go any place without you. Help us be attentive to your word this morning. And we want to make sure it gives you glory in everything we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Matthew 28. 19 to 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Barna group is this group that uh, kind of observes the, the intersection of faith and culture. And you have all these fantastic reports and uh, stats and, and surveys that they do. And they just came out with one that totally flipped, flipped me over. 51%. 51% of people who say they, they attend church regularly do not know what the Great Commission is. 51%. 25% have heard the term the Great Commission have no idea what it means. They show them random scriptures uh, throughout the Bible, things that are not even closely connected to it, and people could not identify those verses that I just read. Only 17% actually 
knew what the Great Commission was and could recite it back to the people that were doing the survey. If the church doesn't know what the Great Commission is, how do we expect the world to react to us? We have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do to talk about this wonderful mission that God has given us. Jesus details this, this mission in Acts 1-8 in, a, in, a, in a, just a beautiful way. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, that word means martyr, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So in this, these two verses, we kind of get a, we kind of get a, uh, how Jesus is seeing the, 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 the Great Commission, the, the mission of what he's sending us into as believers. This is, what we're called to. Jesus is sending us out into the world to do this mission. So we see uh, in Jerusalem, we see a local mission, a localized mission. In Judea and Samaria, we see regional mission field. Uh, Jerusalem actually was in Judea, so, so that was even kind of local and regional together. And then into the utmost parts of the world, God says, Find this interesting. So we have a local mission, we have a regional mission, and we have a global mission. But basically, Jesus is saying, go every place. Just go everywhere. So when he says to go to Jerusalem, go to Judea, go to Samaria, and to the other parts of the outermost part, remotest parts of the world, this is really not a, a order of mission. Go here first. And go there next. This is really an overview of how big the mission is. Again, go everywhere. Not, so first go to Jerusalem. First go locally. And then find someone regionally. And then think about going globally. It's not an order. It's really just a scope of events. Can you see that? Can you see that? Now, Samaria was a unique place for the Jews to go into. It was a hostile place, of course. It was a place there was a lot of mistrust because that's where the Jews had intermarried with other races, other ethnic groups. So there was already a kind of a hostility uh, attitude towards there. So to go there was going to be a, a difficult mission trip. Judea, for the early Jew here, was, see, this is the place that's more like me. It's all mostly Jewish people. We all kept our culture. We all kept our faith. I'm safe here. I can, I can, I can go here. Although it was about to turn hostile because of their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. But for the Jew to think about going beyond their borders into the remotest part of the world would have been a big stretch because obviously it was dangerous to travel. Most Jews did not leave their hometown. So the call to go beyond their their safety net was huge. This was a huge, what the disciples heard this, this was not an easy thing to hear because of what they were accustomed to, what they were used to, and what they would expect their lives to look like. Now, Jesus was calling them to go far beyond all of that. 
So this is why I think that when we when we look at the Great Commission, we're talking. This is more of a this is more of a uh, let me say it the way that God said it. Listen to this. It is obvious that the Great Commission is a cross-cultural work, not just a geographical work. Did you get that? That the Great Commission is a cross-cultural work, not just a geographical work. To go beyond cultural borders as well as geographical ones. No matter where a group of believers are in the world, there is always somewhere else that's remote. To people in China, to people in India, to people in Australia, High Park is a pretty remote place. Right, Richie? High Park was pretty remote from where you came from, right? Did you ever think about High Park before? And you say, yeah. <laughs> so someone in India, High Park is a remote place to go, right? We gotta we gotta switch our mindset here about what the Great Commission is, you know, because what it is. Sometimes we see these things and they become barriers for us to to cross. A barrier that we don't feel comfortable, and sometimes we won't go there because we think it's too remote. I'm going to say when we think of a cross-cultural commission, we're thinking the remote place might be going to my next-door neighbors who just happen to be Muslims who just moved in. That might be a remote place for me to go with my faith. It's not distance. It's not geographical. It's personal. See, the Great Commission is personal. Why? Because of what Jesus says at the end of that verse. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, we don't, Jesus doesn't just send us on mission. Jesus brings us on mission. When Jesus says, you know, and, and John, he says, you know, like you sent me, God, I am sending them into the world. That word, apostello, that word actually means to thrust and carries a kind of a violent thrust connotation. It's almost like Jesus has to push us into this. I know he has to push me sometimes. You know, I'm leaning like this. and He's just pushing me. Apostello, he is thrusting me into this great commission, but he's coming with me. So the great commission is more personal and more relational than sometimes like what, what we think we give it credence for. So we've been talking in the past few weeks, you know, when we got interrupted uh, by Easter and by Good Friday, but we've been talking about our purpose, our vision, and our mission for bridge builders. We said that our purpose was to know God and to love people. That in the way that we knew God would help us love people the way that they needed to be loved. That our vision was to build bridges that glorify God, transform lives, and impacts the world. This is, and now our mission is this. And it lines right up with the Great Commission. Reaching people with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. So, having that kind of concept in our mind, I have a... This is, this is going to really rock your world. Ready for this? 
there's something about this mission that it requires something of us. You ready for this? I mean, you really, you really want to know this. Tell me you really want to know this. This mission requires you to be smelly and seedy. You didn't know that this morning. Right? That the Great Commission, actually, you need to be smelly and seedy this morning. Did you realize that? Did you realize that this morning? It doesn't take much of a odor to, to make an uh, impact on us, does it? does it? You know, like if you make coffee in the morning, I just love the smell of coffee in the morning. I just love it. Some might not, but I love the smell of coffee in the morning. <laughs> For the rest of you, you, you just need to get anointed. And, and uh, I love the smell of, of apple pie being baked in the oven. I love the smell of fresh cut grass. I love the smell of the air just after it rains. Right? It smells clean. It smells crisp. I just love those smells. My wife says she loves the way I smell. But she also loves the smell of skunk. <laughs> so I'm not sure what that says about me. I'm just not sure what it says about me. So I'm going to ask you a question this morning. What do you smell like this morning? Or rather, who do you smell like this morning? Who do you smell like this morning? Maybe you see where I'm going with this. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Where are we supposed to go? For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? There's a couple of things that this passage tells me that, first of all, we're always victorious on mission. <laughs> The Lord is always leading us. And you guys smell like Jesus. During worship, I don't know. I was smelling something. Smelling Jesus. It was precious. There was an aroma here that, that was just like the presence of God. It was, And it was all over you. I just sat and listened and was smelling this great, great aroma of worship and, and the presence of Jesus here. And I think this is what it's like should smell like Jesus. And I find that beautiful that that's what this mission helps us to do. It helps us smell like Jesus because he's, a, he's leading us. The world needs followers that smell like Jesus. We found out how smelly we need to be, so I have another, another question for you. How seedy are you this morning? Not talking about your character, an unreliable character is usually considered to be a seedy person. I'm talking about how seed-like you are. A seed is basically a copy of the plant that it came from. 
And, there, and it needs all kinds of conditions to grow. And there's so many different variety of seeds. Uh, there's some seeds that need sunlight. There's some seeds that need to be kept in the dark in order to germinate. There are some seeds that need intense cold in order to germinate. Some that need a lot of heat in order to do so. Some lay dormant for a very long time before they actually germinate. And also there's obviously all kinds of shape and sizes to seed. Matthew 13, 31 through 32 says this about seeds. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. This part, I want you to... This has to do with what Christine shared and what the word was just a little while ago. It all comes... To, it's all going to come and hopefully make sense. And this is really important. It has to go with our giftedness about letting go of the chains and not letting go of what the past has said about us. Here's something that God said. Listen to this. This is a really powerful statement. Don't measure the results of the harvest by the size of the seed. Don't measure the results of the harvest by the size of the seed. That mustard seed grows into the biggest plant and into a tree. So much so that the birds of the air come and make nest in it. Can someone give me an interpretation of what that means? Our kids gave us that in the frame on the wall. And next to it, there is a branch with a bird in it. And I think the birds represent the world. And the world, our kids saw us as a tree that the world would come and sit in and learn about Jesus. I think that's that's pretty much what the, what the scripture is saying. So let's put let's put all these three things together and see if we can do this. Christine's word about giftedness. What God said about releasing the chains and not letting our past dictate that and now that statement don't let don't judge the the size of the harvest by the size of the seed can we can we get a picture of what god is trying to tell us here this morning and the birds come to feed on fruit that's that and also it's a a form of refuge for them Mm -hmm. and a place in which they can nest safe place right same place all things are possible. Before there's fruit, there's usually something that comes first. A flower. And flowers give off a... All right. I'm, I know I'm still, I'm still asking for something because... Um, can you make me think about um, the smallest act that we do can, has a ripple effect? And we don't know how it's going to affect someone down the line. So if I'm still like this, 
There's no ripples. If I don't take, if I think that my seed is too small, maybe I don't plant it in someone's life. God's saying something really cool here. Right? Are we getting this? Or am I just throwing out a lot of things that, I don't want to do that to you. Here's what I wrote last night, or early this morning. I think it kind of, you'll see that it sums up everything. Don't let the enemy fool you saying your seed is too small, or the conditions aren't right, or you're too scarred, or that you have waited too long. Your seed is important to the work God is doing. Grow where the Lord of the harvest plants you. Don't measure the size of the harvest by the size of the seed. Just don't. Just don't. The mission needs seedy and smelly people. They really do. I wanted to talk about mission in a far different way, and I, and I realize. You, please forgive me. This is this is. There's a lot of things going on up here right now. That's why I'm pausing a lot because I really. I really want to say what God is saying, okay? Now, I don't want to just go off the notes. And I, I really want us to get this. Usually, again, when there's a, uh, a sermon about mission and vision and purpose for a church, it's all about what this church is going to do. And you know by now that's not what I'm a, a leadership or I'm a, about. And sometimes it gets to a place where the mission becomes more important okay right more important than following god so I'm, so this is not about what we ought to be doing the church the bc church is not responsible for all the problems in the world it's not sin is Sin is responsible for all the problems in the world. That may be contrary to popular opinion out there, but the church is not the cause of all problems in the world. The church is also not responsible to solve all the problems in the world. Christ is. We're just supposed to be obedient to what he's asked us to do when he asked us to do it and go wherever he asked us to go to do it. So the Great Commission is great because it is, and that's not a term that's found in the Bible, the Great Commission, only when they write it above the margins. But we understand what that means. It is great because the work is great. It's also great because God's in it. It's also great because we get to be a part of it. But sometimes we make the mission, whatever uh, our church or our particular uh, local expression of Christ makes it about the the mission, and we become so centered on the mission that we forget that there's a God behind this mission, right? And we get caught up in what we ought to do. And what, why I'm saying that is because sometimes when we we put when we center on what we ought to do, there are some of us who feel like, well, I 
I don't have that talent or I don't have that ability or I don't, my seed is too small for that. And so they just back away. And they stay like this. You get that? Did I make that transition okay? Tell me if I didn't. Because I don't think I'm going to make it any better anyway. But if you could tell me. We are not the message. But we are messengers. Smelly and seedy ones. We are sent into the mission to make disciples. This command is inviting us into a life-changing mission. It's a command to go into all the world, but it's also an invitation. Only God could do that. This mission that we go on, to go into all the world to make disciples, teaching them to, to observe, to obey, to guard, that word actually means what they had been taught, is also an invitation for our life to be changed in the process. This is how we become seedy and smelly. This is how we get the aroma of Christ. This is how we understand what it means to plant our seed in, in, in the soil that God wants us to in order to transform lives, glorify him, and impact the world. This is the Great Commission. Reaching, teaching, inviting, planting, announcing good news, smelling like Jesus, and loving people into a life-giving relationship with God. We are called to baptize them, immersing them into a covenant that will transform their lives. Our commitment to this comes from a sense of belonging, of knowing who we belong to. Because we're sons and daughters, because we belong to him, because we're part of his family, mission becomes part of what we do as sons and daughters. It's because we love him that we go on mission. It's not that we go on mission to prove that we love God. We go on mission because we always do love God. It's because we know who we belong to. And because we know his heart, we know his purposes, we know his, his plans, mission is natural. It is just part of our everyday life. We don't have to worry about where Jerusalem is. We don't have to worry about where Judea is, where Samaria is, where the remote parts of the world we're supposed to go to. Our everyday walk will lead us into the places that we need to go. It's okay to plan about these things. It's okay to strategize about these things, to get together and pray about these things. We should be doing that. But what I'm saying, the natural walking out with God will lead us into all those areas. Because he says, go every place. That's what he's saying. Just go every place. If High Park existed right then, he could have added High Park. Go to High Park. We are. We go to High Park. We're involved in many things, planting seeds in, in other churches and, and, and in the community. We're planning on doing more. We're, our, our Samaria is Poughkeepsie. 
We're working with churches there. We're planting seeds in, into their ministry and helping them meet uh, their communities. We have missionaries in Chile. We've sent money to the Ukraine. We've sent people to the Ukraine. We've sent people to Africa, supported people in Africa, to Philippines. We've gone to some remote places as a body, a small body of believers. But it's just as important to go to the next door neighbor and say, hey, everything okay? And be available for our next door neighbors. That could be the remote part that we're supposed to go in. Let's be sensitive to where God is asking us to go. It's not about shoulds or oughts. It's all about relationship. That connection of belonging does one powerful thing, I think, which fuels the mission in us, and that is worship. See, when you know who you belong to, when you know God in this deep, intimate way, you can't help but worship. And worship is the thing that helps us keep focus while we're on mission, keep our focus on Christ. What worship does, it helps us keep our focus and, and on Jesus, but also keeps us in what I call grace mode. Grace mode. Grace mode is when we understand the grace that has been given us through forgiveness, through the kindness of Jesus, through the redemption of Jesus. That grace that's been extended to us. And because we understand it, because we have received it, and because we walk in it, we now can extend it to others on mission. See, worship helps us do that. It helps us to stay on, on grace mode so that when we're ready to extend grace, maybe when we don't want to, we realize, wait a minute, I know the grace that was afforded me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give grace here. And this is what helps us no matter where we are on mission. And worship keeps our focus on Jesus and helps us see the harvest as he sees it. It's how we see where to go, how to go, and when, when to go. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 6-9 says this. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Kind of sobers things up for a minute there, right? For we are God's fellow workers. Isn't that beautiful? You are God's field, God's building. In other words, our job is to plant and water seeds, smell good doing it, but it's God's job to make things grow. It's God's job. You know, He's the one that's going to make the harvest grow. So that's another reason why we don't even have to worry about the size of our seed. Let's not even worry about it. Let's just be willing to offer it. Because we are field hands doing what God has sent us to do. Reaching people with a life-changing message of Jesus Christ is what we wrote down as our, as our mission. And that word reach is a powerful word. 
Listen to what it means. To reach is to touch or grab hold on by stretching out. To reach someone it means to establish communication. To reach someone means to succeed in influencing, impressing, or stirring up interest. The gospel is really equipped to do all of that. So when I think of what the kind of seeds that we can, what we have been planting as a church, as a, a group of believers, and what more seeds that we can plant is in these areas. Seeds that, that give off the aroma of life. Seeds of evangelism. When we share the gospel message. Seeds of generosity. Where we share our time, talent, and treasures to help meet needs. This church has done that. I'm overwhelmed with how generous this church is. How you are. We can plant seeds of hospitality. This is where we get to share our everyday lives to invite people in. Not just here, but in our homes, in our events. And, and, and just sharing a cup of coffee with someone. This hospitality that we're not afraid to meet with people that may be different than us. And here's the biggest one. Seeds of reconciliation. This is where we share the gift of unity. We have, we have, we have done a lot of that and there's more that we need to do. But if we're, if we're like this, if we're afraid to offer our, our seed up, what God has given us, our, it makes all that hard to do on a personal level and, and as, a, as a group level. There's an important scripture that kind of gives us a little, maybe a little bit of a push. In 1 Peter 1.23 it says, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. We have been given a seed that will never pass away. So the seed that you might be sometimes afraid to offer up to God to use is the seed that He's already planted in you. Let's not be afraid to offer that up to God. So in, in these areas of hospitality and generosity and evangelism and reconciliation, there's going to be more and more opportunities to plant those seeds into those things. And I do believe, not just things that we organize as bridge builders, things that you're going to come across in your own personal lives. God's going to bring you opportunities, already has, because I know some of the stories, where you're going to step out in faith and you're going to plant seeds in people's lives. You're going to start smelling different to other people. Maybe people that up to this point haven't liked the way you smelt. But all of a sudden they're going to take a different whiff of you and they're going to smell something different. Because you're not like this anymore. You're like this. They're going, to, they're going to notice something about you. You're going to be able to plant a seed of evangelism. You're going to plant a seed of generosity, a, a seed 
of hospitality and of reconciliation. And they're going to want to know your story. And they're not going to be able to resist it anymore. Those days are coming. I really believe that. The world needs it. We're on mission because of Christ, not the other way around. We never place the mission first. Our relationship with God is first. That covenant drives the mission. Being with Christ makes us smelly, seedy, and enables us to be like Him while we're on mission. And the question is, will we allow ourselves to be planted in the lives of others and make them smelly too? That is our question. Will we do that? Will we give ourselves over to this great commission, perhaps in a different way than maybe you ever saw it before this morning? Go everywhere. Go everywhere. You have been given such a wonderful seed to plant in the lives of others. Don't let the past, even if it past was yesterday, don't let that keep you from planting seeds in the lives of people. Because you never know what's going to grow.